0: I am not sick, by the way, I just, uh, there's a lot of my kids in that video, kind of messed me up, so uh, bear with me one second. <sighs> David spent 12 years in a Ukrainian or- orphanage, and here he is, dancing with his friends. It's pretty rough, thanks, thanks for that, guys. Um, <sighs> Anyway, um, speaking of sick, though, Trent is sick today, so I'm, I'm filling in for him, so you get the wish version of Trent Evans today. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to wish I spoke as eloquently, and, you know, uh, but when you get to your restaurant a little early, because I'm a little shorter-winded, you'll be wishing I preached more often. You'll be like, hey, can he fill in on Super Bowl Sunday, maybe? <laughs> but, hey, um, I want, I, I've, I've got, I'm, I'm well-prepared today. I... I um, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, Trent's needed me, like, when he's, he's called me on Thursday or Friday and something came up and I had to preach. And this time I got Wednesday, and sometimes I've even got Saturday, so I'm, I'm, I'm well prepared. Um, uh, but I, I, I also want to let this go wherever God wants to take it. Um, and so I hate to embarrass you, but Matthew, can, I, can, can we get some men to pray for Matthew? And Matthew is a... Walk in miracle, and he's, he's overcame so much, but he's, he's still got some health issues. And we, we love Matthew, let's pray for him, Father God. is an extension of your love for all of us here, may you continue to show mercy to Matthew. And may you feel it better even right now, Father God, and just let him know that he's loved. He's appreciated. He's a, he's a company of family here. And may you continue to show your mercy on him by just keeping him healthy, Father God, and keeping him here with us and, and happy and, and uh, giving us those hugs he gives us, Father God. We appreciate and love Matthew. And we know you love me more than we do. So, Father God, I pray you'll be with him today. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. I love kid. I love me some Matthew, man. That's my buddy. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give some... There's somebody here that's supposed to hear this, and I know it loud and clear, so I want to go ahead and just get straight to this. I'm going to give you, like, the... I'm going to give you the apex of the sermon up front, and um, and when I do that, it doesn't mean you need to leave right afterwards. So, so sit down, Darcy. Um, but God made this abundantly clear that someone's supposed to hear this today, and that's God hears you. So if you're waiting for a sign that God hears you, it, it's it's right here. God hears you. He absolutely hears you. And I don't know what that means to you. I, I wasn't told who that meant. Who that was meant for. But there is your sign, God hears you. We're going to be studying out of 1 Samuel today. Um, there is so much meat in Samuel that I, I didn't get very far while studying Samuel. Um, it's, 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 it's a mighty uh, mighty book of the Bible, and I, and I uh, suggest you get into it more often if you, if you don't get into it, because it, there's a lot in there. So we're not going to go very far into it today, but we're going to get plenty far enough to, uh, to, to bring out some stuff. Uh, so let's go to First uh, Samuel one one. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Um, I'm pretty stoked. I actually got this giant, extra giant print Bible now because I don't see very good. So uh, uh, usually I'm, I'm reading up here because I can't read my own Bible. Um, but uh, I'll be actually looking at my actual Bible today. It's pretty pretty exciting. So um, so let's get into that. So First uh, Samuel one one is where I'm going to start off. at, guess there was a certain man of Ramathane Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkinah, the son of Jeroham, Jeroh, Jeroham. That's a tongue twister. Son of Elihu, son of Tahu, son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. And the reason why I want to make sure we bring up that verse real quick is there is some controversy over this particular passage. And uh, I want to acknowledge that because I not only do I encourage, not only do I want you to... Question everything I'm saying. I, I encourage you to question everything I'm saying. I encourage you to get into it yourself, read it yourself. Um, you know, the Bible stands very firm on its own. So, uh, so I'm uh, you know I'm very happy to look into any, anything and see where the controversy is and what what the controversy is about. But uh, it calls them Ephrathite, and your 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 trans, your translation might say ephramite But uh, the controversy is like uh, there's you know there there's there's precedent that he's, that he's a Levite, but then it says he's an Ephrathite. Well, so I'm not going to get into this, but I want you guys to write this down if you want to look into it. First Chronicles 6, 16 through 27. Again, 1 CH- Chronicles 6, 16 through 27, and I'll, I'll give you guys that later on if you want it. Um, but that actually expands on the lineage of, uh, of Samuel uh, and actually in his, in his father El- Elkanah. And it basically breaks down the fact that he is, in fact, a, a Levite. Um, so when it says an aphrodite and you and you go, you go to read into it and you find you find out that well is he an Ephraimite or is he a Levite? The answer is both. You know, I'm you know I'm an Ashlock, I'm of the Ashlock tribe, but I'm an Elizabethonian. You know, so it's like um, so he, the fact that he's from Ephraim is is correct. The fact that he's a Levite is also correct. So I just wanna go ahead and, and put that out there for you guys because that stuff is important, like I said, and it's 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 really really great when you have a controversy come up because if you, uh, if you ever get into a debate with somebody and they say, well, there's a contradiction in the Bible, I'm like, all right, great, show it to me, you know, let's go over this. Um, and most people don't actually know, you know, what, they're, what they mean by that when they say that, but um, the best commentary by far of the Bible is the Bible itself. You know, so when, when you're looking at the Bible and you have a question about the Bible, whether it's wrong or not or whether it's appropriate or not, you know, like, uh, you know, whether it's making sense or not, you can look at another passage and, and compare the two, and you can get into the full, you know, the full context of what's going on that way. So I encourage you guys to do that. And if you ever go to a church and they say, you know, just trust me, don't. Absolutely don't. I would love that you question me, and I'm okay with that. And, 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 and more importantly, God is okay with that. God, God wants you in this scripture, and he doesn't want you here just Sunday. He wants you in that thing Monday through Saturday also. So I uh, just want to go, go into that real quick. That part's free. Um, We're going to go into 1 Samuel 1, 2 through 7. Are we up there? Yep. Okay, good deal. So, this man, Elkanah, he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Panina. And I did look it up. That is pronounced Panina. I kept thinking Panera, then I wanted some coffee. (laughs) Went and got some. Thank you, Kevin. I feel bad for Kevin because I uh, I pay like ten bucks a month or something for, you know, unlimited coffee, and I know they're losing money on me. They're absolutely sorry about that, Kevin. I apologize. We actually don't. The you don't lose money. Spend you spend money on pastries in between. But I'm a cheap and I don't buy the pastries. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I'm 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 winning though. I'm 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 cheating this system. <laughs> but the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Panina, and Panina had children, and Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, we'll get into them in a little bit, um, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina his wife, and to all his sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So note the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And I went a little too far. We're going to get, get started in my notes here. So uh, we're stopping it. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. So the rabb- rabbinical teachings, anybody know what the, the Midrash is? The Midrash is essentially like a uh, 14th century ancient commentary written by a rabbi. Um, and there's other rabbinical texts too, similar. But, um, but the, the Midrash actually taught that, that, that Hannah was married for 10 years before uh, Penina was taken as a wife. So, so Hannah was the first wife, and 10 years later, Penina was taken on as a wife. So, why, why, why did he decide after a decade, like, I need another wife? Uh, we don't know for sure. Maybe, maybe it was maybe it was um, uh, Elkanah's idea. Maybe it was. It, it very well could have been Hannah's idea. We don't know. Uh, what we do know is, culturally in that time, it was quite customary and common that after ten years of not having a child, you know, the the uh, the the husband would take on another wife in order to 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 uh, have children. So it's absolutely a cultural norm regarding barrenness that during those times, uh, you, would, you would just take on another wife and, and get children that way. Now, I think it's important to, to stop there for a minute because um, we've had a lot of cultural norms here that uh, that completely legal, freely accepted. You know, no one's going to no turn a blind eye or, or turn, turn, a, turn a judgy eye to you when you do something. Um, but I want to stop there and just explain to you guys and explain to m- myself that cultural norms do not dictate what godly standards are. Right. You know, and you could be free of any legal consequence. You could be doing something that's perfectly accepted in your culture. Uh, but you're going to have spiritual repercussions for it. Yeah. And so, so she, um, you know, she ma- having the idea, like, let's, let's go ahead and, you know, not wait on God anymore and take on a wife or, or whether Elkanah was like, hey, hey, honey, we have to have another, another plan here. Either way, you see in this this, this passage that, that, that um, Hannah was being greatly provoked and greatly distressed by this woman. So, you know, it, it caused some suffering, did it not? So, you know, the, uh, the situation with Elkanah and, and Hannah was that before Panina was involved in this situation, Elkanah had suffered for 10 years. 10 years not being able to have children. That's something, you know, I wish our culture took, you know, you know, parent, uh, you know, uh, child rearing more seriously. Like, like that was a, a situation where it was quite the, uh, you know, the sad situation that she wouldn't have kids for ten years. But she was suffering for ten years with Alkana who loved her. You know, it says in the Bible that Elkanah loved her, loved Hannah. So, with a supportive husband by her side, she's suffering for ten years, and that's bad enough by itself. But spoiler alert for you guys. You know, uh, traditionally speaking, nine years later, uh, Hannah had Samuel. So, you know, so 19 years after not being able to have kids, she, she has one. But nine of those 19 years was literally with an enemy in her house. Literally somebody provoking her, hurting her, you know, discouraging her, being mean to her, you know, uh, just speaking evil to her. And the reason why, because you know, if you think about what the 19 years would have been like with, with Elkanah by her side, loving her and telling her, you know, it's okay, I, I'm here for you, you know, uh, I see your worth, all those things. It would have been awful, but it wouldn't have been as bad as having nine years of that with, with this, this person poking and, and, and provoking and making you not eat and making you weep all day long. Um, but the reason why, and I'm not trying to throw shade to Hannah or Samuel or of, or, or but, you know, we do the same thing all the time. We take matters into our own hands. That's what happened, you know, 10 years in, into it. We took matters into our own hands, and now we're suffering the consequences for years, for absolute years. So this is a really, really important part of what I want to explain to you guys today. And I want to explain to me because I'm preaching to myself here as well. It is less painful to wait for God than to play God. It is less painful to wait for God than to play God. And We don't always feel like we're being sacrilegious in our, in, in our motives and our moves and the things that we do. But when we're taking, we're taking, uh, we're taking the, uh, you know, I'm tired of waiting for God. I'm going to do something to make something happen. When we're, when we're playing that game, we don't, we don't ever win that game. And I would also say to you guys, do not presume... To know the will of God, you know, um, outside of what he's already told you, because I'm not saying we don't know, you know, the will of God at times, and, 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 but the point is, like, when, when you don't know what your next move is supposed to be, what were you told last? You know, what, what, what do you know God has, where do you know God has you at, what do you know God has you doing right now? The last thing that he told you to do is stay there. You're not disobeying God by staying put when you haven't been given another marching order. And I want to tell you something, like this is something that took me a long time to understand. Because I used to like just try to figure out what he wanted me to do next all the time. And all I wanted to do was just know and know and know and know. If you're looking for God, you're never going to miss him. You guys understand that, right? If you're looking for him, you're not going to miss him. You know, you might, not have got to, you might want to know more. But if you really, your really heart's bent towards God and knowing who God is and knowing what he wants in your life, you're not missing him. He, he, he's, he's right there. He's right there, he hears you, he sees you, he's not forgot you. It's right there, it's all right there. So let's go to 1 Samuel 1, 8 here. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart so sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? So I think of meant well. You ever meant well and you and you just came off as ridiculous? I do that to Darcy all the time. She's not. She's 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 going to be uh, considered enough to not tell you that. But you know, uh, you know, I don't always give the best advice when a when a woman's mad or upset. You know, I don't. You know. You ever like, try to apply how you see life to how someone else sees life? Like, because I like to just get over stuff. You know, uh, you know, I used to tell her stop that or get over that. That's you know. Yeah, yeah, she's like, yeah, I'm going to stop it, yeah. I'm going to, yeah. But, you know, that's, that's, how, that's how I see the world sometimes. Like, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm willing myself into getting out of my mood, or I'm willing myself out of something, you know, and I'm just like, you, you knocked that off. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. So uh, I'm speaking to the person that loves someone right now. I'm talking to someone if you love someone. If you love someone hurting, this, this is for you right now. It's not you. It's not necessarily you. The situation with your wife, the situation with your friend, with, with, with your loved one, your coworker at work, it's not necessarily you, and it's not necessarily about you. So, you know, taking it, like, well, what did I do? You know, taking that approach every time is not going to work for you. It's not going to work for them for sure. So I want to tell you guys, like, when someone's weeping, someone's crying, when someone's upset, sit with them in their sadness. And this is something I've had to learn the hard way many, many times. Um, still forgetting after have to remember again. You don't have to have the answer. You work for God. You're not God. You don't have to have the answer. How many of you guys have, uh, you know, you heard somebody say, you know, you, you, somebody, somebody's tell, pouring their heart out. You're like, I know how you feel. No, you don't. You don't know how I feel. You probably don't. Someone dies, and you're like, oh, they're in a better place. Or, haven't gained another angel. They're in, they're, 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 they're in such a better place. Well, but I'm here. I'm here, and I'm sad. I'm devastated. Like, you're not helping me with these words. It could be worse. That's a rough one right there, cause it's, 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 but, but it's bad right now. It's bad right now. I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble right now, like... Thank you for telling me I could fall off a cliff. It's like when I, when I had that wreck last year, um, I, I got T boned, and, uh, and I had 27 staples in my head later on. I, my back was broke, and, uh, and I was bleeding profusely. And a, and a guy tells me, You know, your car almost got pushed off a cliff, too. You almost died that way, also. I'm like, Thanks for that. Now, if you don't mind me, I'm holding blood, I'm holding pressure to my head right now. Could be worse. I'm dealing with enough right now, guy. That was funny, too. Was, I, I was running uh, with a broken back. I was running from my, my auto accident, by the way. I was actually, uh, and some people there that stopped on, on saw, saw the wreck on the scene, they're like, What are you doing? Stop. I'm like, I'm in a pinto. I'm running, I'm getting away from this thing. <laughs> I heard those stories, you know. I'm like, No, I'm not going you know, to be anywhere near this car. I somehow ran to a field for safety. Let's read uh, Romans twelve fifteen. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. So that goes for that goes for the happy times too. You know, share 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 joy with people. Share 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 their fun experiences. Life life is life is life is good and bad. Life is sweet and sour. You know, there's there's moments that. Uh, you know, um, you know, I'm not, you know, no one at this church is going to give you your best life now sermons. I mean, we're not, there's, 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 there's sad moments in life, there's hard moments in life, there's seemingly unbearable moments in life, and there's also these great moments, and we can share those moments and enjoy each other's, like, uh, you know, we can, we can celebrate, you know, watch, watching, watching David do this, you know, <laughs> uh, you know there's, there, there's some success stories, there's some happy things, And you can enjoy those moments with somebody, but also when they're weeping, don't, you know, don't tell them, well, you've got to be happy right now. No, you don't. God God knows what he left us here with, and he knows what we deal with, and he sees it. And he's not over here going, suck it up, buttercup. He's not doing that. That's me. I do that to myself. I say, suck it up, buttercup, all the time. I literally say that to myself. And Darcy's like, you know, that's not how people operate, Ben." Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who who weep. So we're going to get into 1 Samuel 1, 9 through 16. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Let's stop right there real quick because you remember how Elkanah just said, Why is your heart sad? Am I not more than ten sons? Didn't fix it, did it? we're, we're, We're 30 seconds later still weeping. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, And her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring my soul out before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. So, Samuel 1a, we were talking about, like, if you're, if you're someone who, if you're a loved one, you know, and, and, and how you should respond to people. But let's talk about if you don't really know someone or you don't really have a relationship with people. What I mean by that is, you know, um, the whole concept of, like, withdrawals of deposits. Like, you can't, you can't make a whole lot of deposits out of somebody's life if you haven't withdrawn. Uh, you can't make a lot, lot, lot of withdrawals from someone's life if you don't, if you don't deposit into it. Yeah. Kevin and I've been friends for years. You know, he could tell me anything. And I could tell him anything. We could, uh, we, we could, you know, we could we could, we could, we could, uh, you know, hurt each other's feelings and know it's out of love, you know, and and or encourage each other, you know, whatever it is. But but we we have that relationship. But sometimes you don't have those you don't have those relationships with people, and you think that you get to speak on them, and speak for them, and speak about them. So back in 1996, um, I was 16 years old. Um, actually, I was 15 years old when it when when started. Uh, my, my father was very, very healthy, 47 years old. Uh, he found out he had esophageal cancer. And honestly, when he got the diagnosis, I was... Uh, not, um, not super worried about it. I'm 15 years old. I'm not, you know. I'm, I'm thinking my dad's invincible. I'm thinking, you know, he's young. He looks young and healthy to me. You know, his, his throat's sore. Um, four, four months later, he passed away, and um, I, I just, I didn't believe it. I was in shock. You know, I, I really just, I really expected. Either God would heal him, or or something would happen, and you know he would he would keep on going on for many years to come. But you know, in four months from that time, right after I turned 16 years old, my 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 father passed away. I remember at the funeral, I was uh, I was just in utter disbelief. I I could not I could not believe that my father passed away. Um, I wasn't smiling. I wasn't laughing. Uh, but I had no emotion because I was just in, just in shock. I was, I was stuck in a moment. And I, remember, and I remember that I literally remember loud and clear. I can still, all these years later, because uh, I was back in 96, I can remember all these years later, the conversations I overheard, people saying, well, Benji must not care about his dad. He's not even crying. People saying, man, how callous is he? How, you know. Doesn't even care. Doesn't even care. And, um, you know, they didn't follow me home from the funeral home that day. They didn't, they didn't see me go into my room, finally process it, weep bitterly for hours, then spend the next 20-some years trying to figure out how to, how to, how to, get, how to get through what happened. Spend the next three years of my life in absolute disarray because my, my father passed away and I was angry at the world. But you made an assumption that I didn't care. You made an assumption that I was, that I was you know, being careless with, with my dad's death. So, you know, when you look at what Eli's, uh, Eli's doing here, Eli's looking at Hannah, and he's seeing a praying woman, but he doesn't really know her. He's not paying attention. He's, not, he's, not, he's got his only issues, and we'll get into those. And he makes an assumption, and he takes a hurt woman and makes her more hurt. He goes, can you imagine, can you imagine somebody praying at this altar right now, and a and pastor comes up to them and says, you been drinking? Do you imagine, the, the, can you imagine the, the, the pain that that would cause? Like, I'm already struggling here. I'm already having a rough time. I didn't want to go to church this morning. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be around God's people because I'm hurting so bad right now. I, I don't want to feel judged. And you walk up there and you give your heart to Christ, you know, in, in, in a powerful way and just say, take this all from me, Lord. And someone goes, you have been drinking? You on drugs? You know, what, what's, what's your problem? And I say this with quite a bit of authority because I know God wants me to say this. Do not speak on what you do not know. Do not speak on what you don't know. And I would also say, mind your business. And that doesn't necessarily mean what you think I'm meaning by that, okay? Because I'm not saying you don't have, you don't have things to tell people, and, and people don't have things to tell you. You know, if I see Kevin having some, struggling with something. I'm, I'm going to call him and be like, bro, what's going on? We're going to talk about this. We're going to have a hard conversation, Kevin. He's not really <laughs> in sin. I'm just using him as an example. He's right there. But what I'm saying is, tend to your business. Tend to your business. That's what I mean by mind your business. So Eli's over here, you know, and we won't get into it too much, but Hannah has to tell Eli, do not consider me a worthless woman. But you know what it says in 2 Samuel, or 1 Samuel 2.12, you don't have that up there, uh, Clark, but this one's free. Um, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Eli's sons were absolute scoundrels, okay? Absolute scoundrels. They were doing some crazy stuff. They, you know, the, there was women that served at the, at the front of the temple entrance. And you'd you think, you think a priest, their job would be to honor, protect, teach these people. Eli's sons are having sex with these, with these, with these women. They're sleeping with these women. People are bringing offerings up there. Just absolute desecration of the offerings. Threatening by force to take the best parts of it. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but it's not about Eli's sons today. But the point is, is that Eli would look at her, not knowing her, not trying to know her, and say something like that to her, and further wound her. And we can do that too, can't we? Can't we wound somebody by by not knowing their situation and, and calling it? You know... You don't, if you don't know, it's okay not to know. You know. That's not necessarily a sin to be ignorant to something, but just be a, understand that you are ignorant. You know, Be knowledgeable that you're ignorant. <laughs> ignorant doesn't mean stupid, guys. I'm just, I'm just saying you don't know. You don't know. And that's okay to not know, but don't act like you know. Every single person in this room, I guarantee you, has been hurt by somebody who made an assumption about you. Everybody. Maybe you've hurt somebody with an assumption. And that's okay, but stop it. So I'd say to Eli, I'd say, why don't you check on your sons and make sure they're not drunk? Because Hannah's over here praying. She's at the altar. They're not at the altar. Let's read Matthew 7, 3 through 5. thank God right now for giant print Bibles. (laughs) Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So I'd say to you, make sure your vision is clear so you can speak with clarity. So it's not that you're never going to have something to say to somebody. It's not that you're you're never going to have a word of wisdom to give to somebody. It's not that that you're never in in a position to counsel somebody. That's, that's, That's not what I'm saying at all. But make sure you're seeing clearly. Let's read 1 Samuel 1, 17 through three eighteen. 18. I have a uh, stuttering problem I grew up with. Uh, you know, My whole life I had it and speech impediment. And so it actually gives me a lot of confidence when I, when I have to speak because I know if God tells me to speak, that's got to be him. I wouldn't pick that as a profession. I wouldn't say, hey, you know how you stutter? it good job. a good idea for you to go up and just preach, you know. Yeah, that's... Would not have picked that for myself, but I will be faithful to God. 1 Samuel 9, 1, 9 through 16. After they'd eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Oh, 17 through 18, I'm at the wrong spot. My Bible's stuttering too. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then a woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. You know, like, I can can work, like, and be okay, like, tired, sick. But, man, if I don't eat, I'm an angry bear, you know, I don't... Don't want to be talked to, you know. I, uh, you know, I, I need to eat, and you can imagine that appetite, man, coming back, and, and how much better she felt in that moment. You know what she needed? She needed to be heard. To be heard was enough to hear to change her countenance, wasn't it? Nothing had been hundred percent done yet. There was enough for her to eat, because before, with what what Eli had, had said to her was. Are you drunk? But she would say, you know, Hannah would say, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, you don't see me. You don't see what's going on. You don't see me. And poor Hannah, she had Elkanah saying, aren't I enough? Aren't I better than ten sons? You're not. You ask Carrie you ask if she'd rather have ten Clarks or one Trent, I'm, I'm, you don't have to. You don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that. Aren't I enough? No. You don't hear me, is what she would be saying to that. You don't hear me. Then Panina would say, with her actions, maybe even worse, she'd say, you're worthless. You're worthless. And that's sort of what Eli was saying too, right? Because that's, uh, that's what Hannah felt when when uh, when she when when she thought this praying he thought this praying woman at the, at the altar was 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 drunk. Like, do not consider me a worthless woman. So Hannah would say, you know, I let God be the judge of that. You think about the faith of Hannah too, because we're talking probably in the context of this, probably about 18 years from, from, in her barrenness, that she's at this altar still praying for the same thing and not giving up hope. So finally Eli gets his, you know, gets, gets his life together. And he sort of says to her, God can fix this and may he do so. And Hannah would finally say, you hear me. You hear me now. And that was enough. we got to listen better, guys. Sometimes, sometimes uh, a conversation needs to be a little more one way than it is and not our way. I mean, sometimes we, we, you, we, we watch people and when you're talking, they, 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 they already have their tongue moving. Like, they're already, ready to say, they're already ready to say something. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Because we all know you're doing it. Let me just be honest with you. I know every single friend of mine don't listen to me. Just so Kevin doesn't get any undue um, um, problems here. Kevin's not one of those people. He listens to me. He doesn't hear very well, so you've got to get really close. But he does listen, and he reads lips really well. (laughs) But, you know, don't be that person that has has an answer for a question you haven't even heard the answer to. You haven't even heard the question yet, and you got the answer. Don't do that. Don't be that. I'm going to read Proverbs fifteen twenty three to you. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. So, guys, we would always do well to always, always, always weigh our words. Are they meant to be said? It's great if it's meant to be said, and I don't want to hear it. Do they bring life? And this doesn't necessarily mean, like, you know, it has to be a positive word every time. You know, you you, you can have those have those times where you're you're speaking life to somebody. But make sure you, you mean to say it. I'll tell you I'll tell you a funny story about, about uh, Augustine who's not here today. I don't think is he. Um, that's even better because he probably doesn't want me telling a story, but. About 12 years ago, he had asked me, you know, he said, "I want to stop drinking. You know, um, hold me accountable. You don't want me as accountability partner if you're not ready to change, okay? Because I I will help you. I will help you, but I will do so in a militant style." Um, And so, Augustine had, you know, at the time he had an apartment with, with with a roommate named Miguel. And so I was driving home from work one day and I just had a bad feeling. And so uh, I'm like, I know he's drinking again. I know he's drinking. So I uh, get to, I pull into his apartment. I'm spinning tires, getting to his apartment. I bust open his door. Don't even knock. I just open the door. And he's sitting on the couch. And he already knows what I'm doing. He already knows. He just sits there. Doesn't even look at me. Just looks at the TV. And I open up his refrigerator. A whole case of Dosakis. I think there's one missing. So I'm popping open these Dosakis and I'm dumping them in the sink. One, two. You know, I I think I think it was, I think it was 23 if I remember right. It was it was a bunch of them in there, okay. And I get to that 23rd one, and when, once that drop comes out of that last one, Augustine goes, "Those were Miguel's." <laughs> I was like, "Why didn't you stop me?" He goes. You couldn't have been stopped until it was done. <laughs> and he was right. I wouldn't have believed him, but after, you know, I'd already wasted a full case of beer. So. <laughs> the only time in my salvation i bought a case of beer. I had to, had to, had to get Miguel back, you know. Um. But you know what, though, you know, like, like. When you have those relationships, it's okay. Because I don't want you guys to think, oh, I can't say anything to anybody. You absolutely can say things to people. Like, like I, I get advice all the time, and I'll give advice when necessary. But I, I, I do not want you guys or myself to ever think you have to have a word for somebody and, and, and presume that your word, because your word never comes back. You know, whether you said the right word or the wrong word, it doesn't come back. You said it. But make sure it's life. Even if, even if it's harsh. Even if it's like trying to save your friend from drinking when he wasn't. <laughs> make, sure, make sure your words have life in them. Make sure they're supposed to be said. I was telling Miss Kathy today how, because uh, I love to debate. Like, I really, really enjoy debate. And I cannot tell you how many times God said, don't do that. Don't say that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like. And I'll have a plan in my, my, my head of what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. And, and I'm going to win this, this, this debate. And then he says, no. I don't like it. But I'm not God. And I fully can tell over my life by the things I've done right and the things I've done wrong that he knows better than me. He absolutely does. Let's go to 1 Samuel 1, 19 through 20. They, and they being Elkanah and, uh, and Hannah, they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Let's not lose this real quick. Let's not lose this spot. you got to understand, when they rose up early, Samuel wasn't born yet. They weren't even pregnant with Samuel. Didn't know if it was going to be another 10 minutes or 10 years. Didn't even know it was going to happen at all because there wasn't a promise that this was going to happen. Just, just a request. And Eli said, "May this happen." Didn't say it's definitely going to happen. But Hannah knew her God, and knew that she was content to worship while she was waiting. I love this. It says they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, without the answer. Okay, don't, don't, don't wait till something good happens to go. Thank you, God wow, you know, like, God's still good even when things aren't going in your right direction, or what seems like the, your wrong direction. You know that, it says in, a, it says in here that God closed Hannah's womb. It doesn't say, you know, um, Hannah wasn't watching her cycle good enough or anything like that. It, it says Hannah, Hannah's womb was closed by God. That was his plan. And sometimes, like, trusting God's plan does not not mean it's easy. It does not mean it's uh, it's something. It's how you want everything to to, to happen. How you picture it in your head. God did not forget. It says they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife. That's the PG version of the. Uh, at least attempt at procreation there. And the Lord remembered her. Not that he would ever forget. But then in that moment, he said, it's time. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. I love it says in due time. God had a plan for Hannah and a plan for Samuel. Who was born at just the right time for the priesthood? Right. Remember, we talked about Eli's sons a little bit ago, uh, Phineas and Hophni. They, they were despicable. There was, there were, was, was, there was, people that were probably scared. Uh, you know, myself, if there's a church like that available, I'm, I'm going to be begging God, like, where else can I go to worship and sacrifice? Because this is not working for me. These people are evil. Can you imagine like the the stain that was on Israel at the time that. That you had this place you're supposed to be worshiping at, and you you got people taking advantage of you. It's horrific. But God had a plan for, for Hannah and for Samuel, who was born at just the right time. Let's go to 1 Samuel 2, 22 through 26. Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear from the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will med- meditate mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. And That's not in my notes today, but let me just tell you, like, if you hear God's voice today, listen to him, because eventually your heart hardens and you don't get to hear him anymore. There is, seems to be some sort of time limit where you're, too, you're, you're a little too hard to heart to, to, to keep hearing that voice. And I guarantee you at some point in time, Eli's sons were more than able to, to repent and to do the right thing. But this says right here, it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. God can have enough. He's, he's so much more gracious and patient than we will ever be. So much more merciful than we could ever even fathom and imagine. But there is, there is a time and an end. And if you won't do it, somebody else will. You understand that? Like, God's will is going to happen with or without you. And that's where Samuel comes in, all right? Because in 26 it says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord, and also with man. So here, here's, a, here, here, here's a young man growing up that's, that's earning the respect and the trust of the people around him, and earning the people, the people that are going to come and see him and talk to him, they can trust that he's not out there with, 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 with the women in front of the entrance. They can trust that he's not stealing their, their sacrifices. And about 19 years was about the time that it took for God to say, I've had enough of this, we're going to do this. So the plan was there the whole time. Samuel, I would say, is the opposite of Eli's sons. He was everything, everything they were doing wrong, he was doing right. So Samuel would be a mighty force of change for good in Israel. And you go through Samuel, you see this, 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 this man, you know, uh, righted a lot of wrongs that were going on with the perfect timing of his birth that Hannah had waited for for so long. Let's go to 1 Samuel 3, 19 through 20. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground, I mean, Samuel was saying something and it was happening. Sam, Samuel was talking to talk and walking to walk. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. I know it took 19 years for us to get here, but you think Hannah's pretty proud of that, that young man that God gave her? You think, uh, you think Benita had a whole lot of ridicule left in her when. When all of Israel is going to Samuel and, and seeking the Lord through him. I don't know the names of any of Panetta's children. Actually, like I said earlier, I, I keep seeing Panera when I, see it, when I see her name. I don't know the name of her kids. I barely know her name. But I know that right now, 3,100 years later, we're talking about Samuel. And I know that I literally had to pick like, just a few verses because otherwise we're going to have a 10-hour sermon if I dig into Samuel too hard because there's so much to learn from Samuel's life. And I, I, literally, I literally could not see an end to how many sermons that could come out of Samuel's life and, and the book of Samuel in general. But that's what the will of, of, of God looks like. So it's safe to say that God heard Hannah, wouldn't you say? And um, wouldn't you know, the name Samuel, Samuel actually means God has heard. And I, I would say to you today that if your heart is, is, is contrite and, and right, for God, right towards God right now, I guarantee you he's hearing you. And somebody straight up, you know, somebody straight up needs to to know that today, because I know that for a 100% fact, that someone here came here to hear that God hears you. And I don't want to embarrass you with that, but I want to tell you, like, you're looking for a sign, and here it is. God hears you. God absolutely hears you. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come back up. Uh, There's a song I really think ties us together, and I'd love for them to play it if they have time to, and... Um, And I want to just recap real quick some of the important parts of what I was saying here and and what I want you guys to understand. And one of the big things, you know, if you don't hear anything else of the sermon I was saying today, uh, wait for God, don't play God. Okay? Okay. And I would say tend to your business before the business of others. Make sure your hands are clean before you're telling someone they're dirty. Weigh your words. Your words can be so helpful to someone, but they can also be so harmful to someone. And we don't get words back. We say them one time and they're they're out there. You said them. God hears you. He 1,000% hears you. So, don't lose hope. I love to think about the fact that Hannah was 18 years later praying for the same thing. I got about two months in me sometimes. And I'm ready to move. All right, God, you must not want that for me. God will give you more than you can ever ask for. And I want you to know that, too. And I didn't bring this up earlier, but I want to make sure we're clear on that. Because Hannah asked for a son, she specifically asked for a son. You know that she had other children? You know, God said, you gave, you gave me that one and that, he's going to be used for my ministry and you're not going to see him as much as the other ones but I'm going to give you some other ones at the house too. So, not only will God take care of you and give you what you ask for when, it, when it's uh, in, in his will he will give you more than you ever could even think to ask for. God is good and he hears you and I want you guys to hear that today and I want you guys to know that today and I want you to know that these altars are open and if I see you up here, I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to assume that I know what you're going through. I'm not going to tell you to suck it up buttercup. And aren't I better than ten preachers? Uh, I'm going to say to you, I'm going to sit with you in this. And I'll laugh with you and I'll weep with you. And anybody, anybody here will do the same. We, 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 we love you no shame in, in saying, I, I'm giving this back to you, God. But there is a disappointment for you, not for me, a disappointment for you if you take this moment and let it go by when God's saying, I, I, I hear you and I'm here. Love you guys.